I was going to go all, I don't know if anyone remembers Gallagher, uh, the old comedian from the 70s, uh, who would smash things with a giant mallet, ready to smash watermelons and, and all kind of stuff. I, I remember seeing Gallagher when I was in college in Buffalo, um, and then, like, he came through, and it was amazing. Like, he, he like, smashed all kinds of things. Uh, and, and the whole front row, like, I, I had no idea what I was getting into and didn't realize there was actually, like, like at SeaWorld, there was a splash zone, and people wore raincoats and brought plastic uh, because he smashed watermelons and jars of lotion and all kinds of things that went splashing all over the crowd. It was hysterical. Um, we're not doing that today. Because um, she asked, why was there a mallet and garlic? And we're going to be smashing garlic. I'm like, Mom, we're starting the vampire series today. And and so, right? So so there's uh, there's garlic. Uh, and because what does garlic do? It smells? What else does it do? What does it do to vampires? Do vampires like garlic? No, they don't like it. It's a repellent, right? And And then... I, I, Nathaniel was very excited that I found, uh, his, his clothespin cross, right? That he didn't make it, he just bought it at the auction, but he was very excited, right? And so you, you would use the cross to repel a vampire, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and then of course, if you're gonna slay a vampire, you have to have the right tools, you have to have, uh, you have to have a wooden stake. Uh, so we're gonna kinda unpack this. My wife, uh, this week as we were getting ready for the message, she goes, I need to know that you're not going to spend all of this time talking about vampires because I know you and I know that you have seen every vampire movie and read multiple vampire books and that you're not going to spend the whole time talking about vampires and that you will spend some time talking about Jesus. Uh, and I promise that that will be the case. Um, let's pray. And uh, then uh, we've got a, just kind of an open video to kind of get us started. Father, I thank you that you are real, that you are for us. And uh, Lord, there are times where people come into our lives and it feels like they just suck the life out of us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see those people with your eyes, that we would be able to love them the way you love them. Uh, without us being um, drained. And uh, Lord, I just pray you would be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's check out that opening video. Maybe there's no video. The promo video.
We good? Is there going to be a jump scene? There's a scary mouse. There's no audio? Okay. So there's no video. And you can turn the lights back on. Technical difficulties. you got to love them, right? Um, so... Yeah, right. So I'm going to start off by asking you a question. Um, how many of you know someone who is a control freak? All right, so it's okay. You can raise your hand. You know someone that's a control freak, right? And if the person who is sitting next to you, like, grabbed your hand and pulled your hand down, um, it's possible that that they might be a control freak. Um it's it's one of those things where um, we all have encountered that kind of a person, and uh, over the next few weeks, as as we kind of unpack this series, um, we're going to be talking about some different kinds of relational vampires. Today, we're going to talk about controlling vampires. Uh, next week is church at the beach, and we're going to take a pause, and we're going to talk about water baptism next week. But then we're going to talk about uh, the week after Church at the Beach, we're going to talk about critical vampires. Those people that have nothing but negative things to say to you or about you. And then we're going to talk about, uh, the week after that, we're going to talk about needy vampires. Those people that just, like, every time you turn around, it's, I need, I need, I need, I need. They're kind of like Bill Wiley from, from What About Bob. They're just, I need, I need, I need. And then, uh, then we'll wrap up the series um, at the end of July and to the first week in August talking about hypocritical vampires. But today we're talking about controlling vampires, those people that we all, um, we all seem to know, right? And, and sometimes those people are authority figures that have abused power, people who have abused their, their, their significance or their position and they have used that to influence you, to get you to do things that maybe you didn't want to do. And sometimes a control freak isn't necessarily a malicious person. Um, they're not, uh, they're not intentionally, uh, mean about it, but they are, they're, they're convinced that they know what's best for you. And, and so, um, they try to get you to do what they think you should do. Um, sometimes, they, they do it because they themselves are hurting or they are afraid or they're insecure. Um, but when you're in a relationship with a control freak, it can feel like you're in an emotional black hole. That no matter what you do, it's never enough. That no matter how much you do what they ask you to do, how much you uh, comply 
with, with what they're asking or demanding. Um, it's never enough. If you've given them enough attention, they want more attention. They need more. And if you don't give them what they want, um, and, and again, this is not, uh, sometimes this is actual physical uh, responses where if they don't get what they want, they pout and they stomp and they whine and they complain and they threaten or they, they, they give you this silent treatment um, or they make you feel like you've got to walk on eggshells around them if you haven't done what they wanted you to do. Are you thinking of someone? Don't point. That would be bad. Um, but as we think about controlling vampires, those people that are trying to get you to do what they want you to do, they, they have two amazing weapons, right? In, in our arsenal to defeat the vampires, uh, in, in the, the mythology of vampires, garlic is a repellent, right? You, you stop a vampire in its tracks, uh, by, uh, putting up a cross and the cross the power of Christ allows them, you know, keeps them from, uh, from coming in. One of the things I thought was pretty interesting, and, and again, Terry's not down here, so I can, I can do this. Um, but I, I, I just want to catch this. I want you to catch the, the parallels in this. Um, in vampire mythology, a vampire has to have a personal invitation to enter your home. If you don't give them permission, they can't come in. And so uh, we're just going to let that sit for a minute when we think about these these people that suck the life out of us, whether it's through control or through critique or through their neediness or through their um, their their hypocritical, judgmental attitudes towards us. Um, they have to be invited in, right? Um, what are some other things that we know or with we know about vampires from the mythology of vampires? What do you guys think? They don't like the sun. They don't they do all their deeds in the dark when when no one else is looking, right? What else do they do? They they suck the life out of you, right? Um yeah, what else? What's that? Some of them count. Two. Ah, ah, ah. Yes. Some of them count. One of them counts. Right? What else? They turn into bats, but not Batman. They turn into bats? Yeah? There's, what's that? They can't see their own reflection. Here's an interesting thing. We'll talk about this in a little bit. Uh, because if, if a vampire walks by a mirror, they cast no reflection. Isn't it interesting that controlling vampires or critical vampires, they're not aware that they're vampires because they can't see it, right? Anything else? They <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe. Good old Vlad the Impaler. Uh, from Transylvania, um, yeah, um, they um, they're they're undead. They're they they are not living. Um, yeah, those are all great great things. Um, so, of a controlling vampire, they have two weapons in their arsenal. Right, a regular 
fictional vampire has his fangs or her fangs. Uh, they also exert mind control, right? They can they can glamour you and and get you to do something that you wouldn't be able to do. They can convince you to do something. Um, and but with a with a controlling vampire, there are two weapons that they have, and the first one is this threats. A controlling vampire threatens. Uh, do it or regret it. Perform or be punished. If you don't, I will make you pay. You ever been in a relationship with someone like that? That if you don't do what I would say, maybe it's a, it's a boyfriend who threatens to break up with you if you don't do what he wants. Maybe it's a boss who terrifies you and he's there, you're always on edge that if you don't do what they want you to do, and, and again, as a boss, they have that right that there are some things that you're expected to do as an employee, but sometimes it's just over the top. Um, and I, I've shared stories about some of my former bosses that you never knew. You know, I, she was like the Red Queen from uh, Alice in Wonderland. And one day it was, come on in, and I want all the roses painted red. And so we would do whatever that meant to paint the roses red. And then she would come in like the next week, and it was like, why are all these roses painted red? I want them painted white. And it, it's, it was crazy town. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun working there. Um, and, and threats, right? Sometimes we have, uh, we, we have spouses that threaten to leave if we don't do what they want, right? So number one, controlling vampires use threats. Uh, number two is guilt. They use guilt. They say things like, after all that I've done for you, right? And again, this is not, I'm not looking at my mom at all this morning because I'm, because she is, I'm not, I don't want her to even think that, that this is, this is not you. I, I've joked in the past that my, that my mom was a travel agent for guilt trips. Um, but she's not. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Controlling vampires, sometimes it's a generational thing. Um, we learn, we're carefully taught. Um, controlling vampires will say things like, I thought we were close. You know, I, I thought that I could count on you. Obviously, I can't. Um, or maybe you have someone who would say to you, you, you call yourself a Christian? Some Christian you are. Right? Um, or, or, you know, you never call, or you're too busy, or you don't love me. You know, you, did, you never called me, and, you know, I could have been dead for two weeks, and no one would have known, um, because you, you just, you never... Uh, you never followed up. Let's take a look at Matthew. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at a relational vampire who tried to exert control in someone's life that it was not their business to do. Matthew chapter 16, it's a story about Jesus and Peter. And Peter tries to control Jesus. And so Jesus was explaining to his disciples what was going to happen. He was laying it out to them, his closest friends, his closest followers, to say, okay, this is what's going to happen next. And it's going to be pretty difficult for you guys. It's going to be very difficult for me uh, because I'm about to be betrayed and arrested and brutally tortured and executed. And this is what has to happen and, and, but that, but it wasn't just that. It wasn't just, hey, this is all going to be awful. 
at the end of this, after three days, I'm going to be raised back to life. Um, and, and so Peter responds to Jesus by saying, uh-uh, I'm not on my watch. I'm not going to let that happen. Look at what it says. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Wow. Right? Now, I don't think that Peter had in mind uh, a malicious thought. I think Peter was genuinely trying to be a friend. He was trying to uh, to be like, no, Lord, we're not going to let that happen to you. No, no matter what, I'm going to stand up for you, right? It's kind of like what we were saying last night in, in our Fight Club graduation, that I'm not going to let bad things happen to you. I'm going to stand up for you. Um, and And Jesus turns to Peter, one of his closest disciples, and calls him the devil and says, get behind me. So, Let's unpack what some things that we can pull out of this. Three things that we, you can know from this. Number one, you have to know what you are called to do. In this past, in this story, Jesus knows exactly what needs to happen. Jesus knows that the next step for this is I, I, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried uh, and, and falsely accused. And I'm going to be convicted and they're going to brutally beat me, execute me, and I'm going to die. But it has to happen. He knew that his reason for being was that he was sent here to seek and save the lost. That his mission, why he was here, was to give his life as a ransom. Be killed and then be raised to life. So for us, when we have people, and, and so Peter was trying to interrupt that by saying, I'm not going to let bad things happen to you. He's got a good motivation. But we have to know who and what we are called to do. Whether you're here this morning and you're called to be a husband to your wife or a wife to your husband, a parent to your children, if you're called to serve in church, you're called to be a witness at work. I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, what I am called to do. I am called to love my wife, Terry. I am called to lead my kids, to help them to know God for themselves and to know who they are. And I'm called to pastor this church. But there's a problem. I am a people pleaser. And we all can be people pleasers. And so as a people pleaser, I want to make other people happy. I want people that come to LifeQuest to love LifeQuest. I want them to love our church. I want them to love our church family and to be connected. And so over the years, there have been people who have come in and we were like, ah, we're so glad you're here. Come on in. And they came in and they said, hey, this church is awesome except this. 
or accept that. And if you would change this about who you are as a church, or if you would change this about who you are as a pastor, then people will like you. People will want to come to your church. Or they'll, or, or as controlling vampires, they'll say, and if you don't, we'll stop tithing. Or if you don't, we're going to go to another church. Or if you don't, we're going to say things about you and it's not going to be nice. And, and for years, it's been a battle to how do I, who do I serve? Do I serve him? Or, or, or do I serve the, the people who wanted to in, influence uh, who we are as a church? And so I know that this is who God has called us to be. I, I shared this with the leadership team um, last Saturday. We were at Hullabaloo, our big community outreach, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And there was a, a very nice couple um, from one of the other churches here in town. Um, and they said, you're the pastor that pastors the church here at, at the community center. And I said, yeah, I am. Um, and they said, so how long have you guys been here? And I said, well, we've been here for uh, 11 years. Um, we've been doing this since it's 2008. And not in a mean way, not in a, a malicious way. The, the next words out of their mouth was, well, when are you guys going to have a building and be a real church? And I was like, right? I felt like they. I was like, "Ow, ow! Why would you? Why would you say something like that?" Um, and I smiled and 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 just kind of made an excuse, kind of like I have for the last eleven years. Uh, well, you know, we're we're still portable and we still set up and tear down, but it allows us to do other things. And, and, I, and I say it in a voice like that, kind of making excuses for who we are or why we do what we do. That next day or the two or, days, two or three days later, I had to go to camp for something. Um, camp, camp is firing up and um, this week I'll be at Camp Hickory Hill from Tuesday to Friday. And I was going to help with camp for something. And I had a conversation with the Lord in my car. And he kind of rebuked me. Um, and, and the conversation went like this as I was lamenting this conversation of when, Lord, when are we going to be a real church and have our own building? And God said to me as clearly as I'm talking to you, he said, life quest is a real church. He said, you are doing exactly what I called you to do. And because of who you are and because of the flexibility that you have, there are things that your church can do that none of the other churches in your community can do because they are strapped with a mortgage and massive utility bills and all kinds of things that, yeah, they have the ability to do other things, but I didn't call LifeQuest to do those other things. You're doing exactly what I called you to do. So stop making excuses and say, well, yeah, we're still no more excuses. Be who God called you to be, right? Um, 
So we're praying about what are the things that we haven't thought of yet that LifeQuest can only do because of the way God has wired us and the way we are. And we've got some pretty exciting things, I think, on our horizon um, as we pray and think and ask God, God, what are the things that only we can do because we we have the flexibility? We're kind of like, was it Remember the Titans? Um, that that were the, those guys that are, they were mobile and agile, right? The, the, the left side of the defensive end, that they could move. They had, they had the ability to, to see the play. I'm not a sports guy and I'm probably ruined. Am I making sense? Is that kind of the way they said it? Um, but that, that we are, we are not fixed in position. That we are, we are mobile. We are agile. We can, we can make Justin Spector shaking his head. Uh, killing it, just totally butchering the metaphor. All right, forgive me. Here's the thing about people-pleasing, though. Um, and this is one of the things as I was kind of preparing for this morning that really hit me, um, especially after my conversation with the Lord in the car, is that people-pleasing is idolatry. People-pleasing is putting other people's opinions of you ahead of God's calling for you. Did you catch that? That when I'm more concerned about what this person thinks or that person thinks or what this person feels about who I am as a, as a pastor or a dad or a husband or who we are as a church, if I'm more concerned about what they think than what God thinks, I have removed God from the throne of my life and I have put that person on the throne. And that's terrifying. Calling clarifies. There are a lot of people uh, who have a plan for my time, um, and and you know, as a, as a pastor, I can't save every person. I can't meet every person. I can't do everything. What I can do is do what God's called me to do, and I can love my wife, and I can love and lead my kids, and I can shepherd this church, but that means I, I don't have to do all of those other things because I know what God's called me to do. Here's the thing about controlling people. Every controlling person that you know has someone who allows it. That controlling people don't get to be controlling unless someone is willing to give in and let them control them, Right? And so the person who does the controlling has the problem, and so do we if we consistently allow them to control us. Number one, you have to know who and what you're called to do. Um, you have to know, number two, you need to know when someone's trying to control you. So Jesus said this to Peter. He said, this is what I must do. This is God's will. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised back from the dead and Peter stands Jesus down and he tries to take control and he says, no, Lord, never. Did, was Peter the worst guy who ever lived? Did Peter hate God? Did he plan to distract Jesus from saving people? No. In fact, Peter had just won, like in the previous conversation, Peter had just won Jesus' jeopardy. Jesus had asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, 
the son of the living God, right? The music was playing. Da, 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 da. And Peter answered the question perfectly. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and people didn't reveal that to Peter. God revealed that. And in the next moment, Peter is trying to control Jesus. Why? He didn't understand God's plan. He didn't get what it was that God had sent him to do. And so we need to recognize when someone is threatening us, whether they're trying to guilt you, or they're trying to isolate you, they're trying to manipulate you, they're trying to get you to meet needs you were never designed to meet. You have to know your calling. And you have to know when someone is trying to control you. Be aware of it. That when it happens, when, when you start to feel those feelings of guilt, where you hear that, that maybe that veiled threat in the conversation that you are aware of it. And then number three, you've got to know when to draw a line in the sand. So maybe you take your stake and you draw your line in the sand and you say, this is enough. I'm not going to allow this anymore. Verse 23, Jesus turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me and you do not have, you don't have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. Get behind me. Imagine, imagine if Jesus were codependent. If Jesus were the kind of person that when someone gets in his face, he caved, right? And so imagine in this situation that Jesus is codependent and Peter steps up and he says, uh, I don't think that you should do it. Don't do it. Jesus, if you, if you allow this to happen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not be your disciple anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop following you on Instagram, Jesus, uh, if you continue on this course of action. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away. Um, and, and Jesus is like, you know what, Peter, you're right. I'm not gonna do it. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give in. Uh, you're, uh, we're going to follow Peter's plan. Maybe Peter's plan sounds better than God's plan. Because he doesn't want to hurt Peter's feelings and, and he doesn't want Peter to throw a fit. If we give in control, if we give control to a person, then God isn't directing you. And someone else is. And, and like Jesus said to Peter, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So for us, the relationships that we've got, the relationships that are in each and every one of our lives, they are a combination of what we have created and what we've allowed. The relationship that you have with your spouse or with your parents or with your children or with your coworkers, it, it, whether it's in your marriage or your siblings or your friends, we have the ability to create healthy patterns and we have the ability to allow unhealthy patterns we can allow them or we can disallow them um i love this quote check this out it says if you don't like what you have change what you expect and what you accept if you don't like what you have change what you expect now this can go in a really bad direction uh we had friends in ohio who um they were a wonderful couple and we thought that they were 
they were happy and and involved in ministry and just awesome people. And they they ran uh, a local business. And I remember Terry and I going to to patronize their business. And we were spending time with them. And as we were sitting there at the counter talking to the wife, um, she was expressing how frustrated she was um, because he. Uh, or, or no, I, t- I take it back. Let me reverse. Um, we were looking at all the different times where her her husband had not done the things that were asked of him. And and there were expectations. There were um, things that, that he was expected to do, and he would drop the ball, and he would drop the ball, and he would drop the ball. And she never got mad. She never lost her temper. And, and it was just kind of like, how do you do that? Doesn't that drive you crazy? And, and her response to me was this. She said, no, um, I just simply have lowered my expectations. And she said, I look at him as a, as she used this word, as a retarded child. And he can't help it. And so as long as I see him that way, my, my, I'm never disappointed. Because he can't be who I want him to be. That is the opposite direction that I want us to go with this, right? But for her, that was her coping mechanism. Uh, this is how I survive in life, that my husband is a developmentally disabled child and he is unable to do what I want him to do. And for her, that worked. Um, now, hopefully, guys today that you're our wives don't take that same philosophy towards us. Um, but if you don't like what you have, change what you accept and what you expect. Expect something better. Um, and don't accept things like disrespect or anger or tone. If a toddler throws a fit in a store, what do we do? We walk away. That's not my child. I don't know whose child that is. Wow, someone needs to clean up on aisle three because that kid needs a mommy and it's not me. Right? Um, right. It is totally okay to look someone in the eye who's trying to control you either through guilt or through threats or through manipulation and to tell them, I love you, but I will no longer allow you to threaten me or heap guilt on me. I'm hurt and I love you, but I'm not going to bail you out again. I'm drawing a line in the sand. And it changes the dynamics. When you do that, when you, and, and you stick to the line in the sand, they may flip out, they may shout, they may yell, they may lose it. Um, but you have to stay behind your line in the sand. They may withdraw, they may be critical. The reason why is they're hurt. We get it. Is this an easy thing to do? Is confronting a controlling vampire an easy thing to do? No. It is fabulously hard. But it is the right thing to do. You know, here's the thing too that I think um, is a challenge. Because we spent a lot of time talking about the controlling vampires and for most of us, we have in mind that person, right? Um, we, we make a joke sometimes on the canoe trip uh, about there is um, 
there's usually some guy that goes on the canoe trip who complains about the food. He doesn't really uh, help out much around camp. Uh, they they paddle with one hand. Um, it's been done. Uh, it actually has a name. Uh, I won't say his name because like, now with social media, it'll get back to him. Um, but there's, you know, they, they get, it's not chick, it's not chick. Uh, but do you think you're getting any power out of a one-handed airstroke in the canoe? Are you contributing your fair share? No, you're not. It's called the airstroke. Um, but here's the thing about this guy, about that guy, is that uh, as we talk about it and we say, look, if if you're looking around the circle at the campfire and you can't figure out who that guy is, it's probably you, right? Um, and and I, we've been talking about other people as being controlling vampires, but I think sometimes we have that same weakness in us that, that fictional vampires have that they can't see their own reflection and there is a controlling vampire inside of me, inside of us. And so as much as we need to love and shower grace and, and, and toe the line with, with tough love with controlling vampires, we have to make sure that we remember that, that God loves them and God loves us and He has a plan for your life and for their life. But we, we want to play God, right? We want to be in control. We want them to do what we want them to do just as much as they're trying to control us. But I have, I have good news. Uh, I do not make a good God, and neither do you. That we do have a God who loves us, who has a plan for us. And, and, and here's the thing, right? As a parent, um, I want to, I want to help shape and direct the lives of my kids to see them grow up and to love God and to, to, uh, find their purpose and their mission in life and, and to be happy and fulfilled people. Can I control that? No, I can't. I mean, when they're little, there's somewhat of a management, but now that they're older, I, I have to just trust that that they have heard all the things about the truth of who God is, and now they have to make those choices for themselves. And I hope they make good choices. But if they don't, we still love them. We won't use threats or guilt to try to control them. Uh, we will do our best to love them. It doesn't mean that we'll be perfect at it. We will make mistakes. The inner control freak will come out. Um, right? What? Think about the changes we want to see in our spouse or, or people in our lives that are, that are hurting and, and have addictions or, or struggles, right? Can you fix them? No. Who can? God. The only one. The only one. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, verse 24. He said, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. When we follow Jesus, we are not in control anymore. He is. So this morning, I want you to remember, 
Know what you're called to do. Know when someone's trying to control you. And know when to draw a line in the sand. And remember that you are not God. That you can't, your plan for someone else's life or their plan for your life is not God's plan. He's the only one who gets to call those shots. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love and for your mercy. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to be able to identify controlling vampires that maybe they have an agenda for our lives that's not yours. Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize it. But before we recognize it, that we would know who we are in you, who you have called us to be, what you've called us to do, so that there's no confusion, so that we we won't be stuck in patterns of trying to please other people, but we would focus on pleasing you, that we serve an audience of one. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, give us the courage that we need to identify when people are trying to control us and that you would give us the courage to draw the line in the sand and say, I love you, but you can't talk to me like that anymore. I love you, but you don't get to say who I am. Only God gets to say that. Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to love the people that you have in our lives and uh, love them in a way that doesn't allow them to suck the life out of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings. Have a fantastic week. Enjoy this beautiful day. And uh, we will see you next week at Church at the Beach, Area 3, Shelter 3. Awesome. If you get there before 9, it's free. After 9 o'clock, you pay $7 per car. Blessings. Yes.